Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. What does it mean to be saved? That's what I want to talk to you about today. What does it mean to get saved? You've heard people say that they are born again, that they've received salvation. You've heard about Jesus maybe dying on the cross. But have you been saved? And I want to dive into this today and and give you an opportunity to fully understand what salvation is all about, the simplicity of of it at the same time, the depth and, and just unbelievable nature of what God has done for us. Because truly, it's a message that even a child can understand. And at the same time, uh, the world will never understand. The wisest uh, lost person in the world will never understand this. And it, yet, it's it's the preaching of the cross. It's foolishness to them that perish. But to us, it is salvation. It is what saves us. So I want to spend some time here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what does this mean? It means that the Lord doesn't want anyone to perish, that he wants all to come to repentance. But what does it mean to be saved? Well, let's start at the beginning. You know, you've heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm sure. But what's the gospel message? One place to find it in Scripture that's very clearly outlined is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-6. through 6. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. So here in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6, we see a very simple portrait of the gospel. Uh, We start off by understanding in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord uh, wants all to be saved, doesn't want any to perish. Then we see here in the gospel of Jesus Christ through uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6, that uh, Jesus, he died for us on the cross. Uh, he paid our sin debt. Uh, he paid our uh, our sin debt according to the scriptures that had been prophesied uh, from the beginning that he would come, that the Messiah would come, and that he would die for us. And he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And then it goes on to say that he was seen not just of Cephas, but then of the disciples, but also more than 500. Amen. So there was many witnesses. History does not dispute that Jesus lived. History does not dispute that, that uh, Jesus was crucified. There's uh, been historical witnesses to this. Uh, so we know it's true. And so what we understand from 1 Peter 3, 9 is God wants and desires and wishes all to be saved. And we know that salvation has to do with the gospel message that I just shared in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6. But how does this all connect? I mean, you hear this scripture and you say, okay, I understand Jesus died on the cross, but what does that have to do with you? How does this connect to you? How can you personally be saved? That's what I want to spend some time on here today. And the best way that I know how to do it, and this is how I was saved, amen, 
is to walk you down Romans Road. And so we're just going to go down Romans Road. And as we go down Romans Road, I want you to keep a very famous verse in mind. I've given you a couple of verses so far. Here's another one. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave who? His only begotten son. That's Jesus. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So that is God's promise to us that those that believe on Jesus will have everlasting life. But we got to figure out how do we believe on Jesus? What does that mean? Well, as we go down the Romans road, we're going to make four stops today. And the first stop that we're going to make on the Romans road is the stop that I've called need. And the need here is that we are all sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now think about this. Do you agree that you are a sinner? That's a pretty offensive statement to many. Uh, Many think that they've done uh, a lot of good deeds, even though the Bible says that our righteousness without God is like filthy rags, like gauze pads, used dirty gauze pads. Our righteousness to God is disgusting uh, to him on our own account. But yet we think we've done something good. Maybe we've helped an a old, uh, older person cross the street. Maybe we gave some money to charity. Maybe uh, we're from a very respectable family. Maybe we hold public office or we have an executive position at our job. Or maybe we have many degrees or letters behind our name. But truly, no one's righteous, not one. We've all come short. We've all sinned and come short. And if we look at the Ten Commandments, you go through them, uh, God's law uh, that he gave Moses, the Mosaic laws, you can clearly see uh, that that you've coveted, uh, that maybe you've had lust in the past, that you've told a lie sometime in your entire life, uh, that, that you've done all of these things. And if you really get into God's word and spend time in it, you'll see uh, that, that uh, there's things that we do maybe on a daily basis that the Lord considers uh, sinful, uh, like complaining and murmuring and gossiping. These things are considered sins, and yet we engage in them uh, very recklessly. And so we all have a sin nature. That is a given. Uh, what does sin look like to God? Romans 3, 10 through 18 gives us a picture here. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are, are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Okay, when God uses in his word, written through the apostle Paul, when he uses absolutes, uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. You can take that to the bank. Okay, God's not a liar. Uh, God has been proven true in many ways over time through prophecy and through the wisdom of his word. When he says no one's righteous, not one, that does include you. Amen. That includes me, includes everybody. So the first thing we have to understand is our need. Do we fully grasp that idea? Are we able to kind of get the ego out of the way and the pride and, 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 and just our our, our stubbornness, and we able to say, you know what, we have really messed up. 
We are sinners. We are an offense to God. We are a rebellious people to the ways of God. And again, uh, these things kind of go hand in hand, this idea of just ignorance, not understanding what God expects of his people and the sinful nature within us. And a lot of people will just say, well, I didn't even know. But again, God won't accept that because the Bible tells us that just looking at the earth, looking at nature, looking at the, the all of uh, humanity and the stars and all these things, it testifies to a creator and to who God is. So he won't accept our ignorance. But what's the consequences of sin? If you can agree with me that you're not perfect, if you can agree with me that you have sin in your life, then what are the consequences? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's look at the first part here. For the wages of sin is death. Well, what does that exactly mean? The wages of sin is death. Well, what that means, uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis is when we sin, we are spiritually uh, dead. Uh, These sins will lead to uh, death. You know, we won't have anything good come from those things. And, you know, God can't use us, et cetera, et cetera. But on a larger plane, when you think about this, the wages of sin is death. The idea that we're a sinner and we have this sin debt. And if it's unpaid, then God will put us in the place where unpaid sinners go, sinners that have an unpaid debt go. And that place is called hell. And that's eternal hellfire. Hell is a real place. It's mentioned throughout the Bible. Uh, Jesus Christ mentions it. It is a place. And that is where we are headed if we don't get saved. Amen. And so the wages of sin is death means eternal separation from God in hell and burning torment. It is a real place that nobody wants to go, that you wouldn't wish your worst enemy to go. And yet that's our destination if we are not saved. But thankfully, there's a but in here. And this brings us to the next stop on Romans Road, provided God gave us a way to escape death and hell. So that but Uh, is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now that doesn't say the gift of God is eternal life through five or six different places. That, that, That doesn't say the gift of God is eternal life through good works or church membership or baptism or anything else. It says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. That is the gift of life. That is how we receive it. And further stated in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so we've already come to the conclusion that we are sinners. We already come to the conclusion that we are uh, sinful and unacceptable to a holy, righteous God that absolutely will not stand sin, right? And now we realize we have this sin debt. And now we realize that while we're sinners here in Romans 5, 8, it says Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That's God's love for us. He sends Jesus, his only begotten son, this is God in the flesh, to die on the cross for our sins while we were yet sinners. Because Jesus paid the price. Jesus' death on the cross, cross by proof of the resurrection by God, shows it was a sufficient payment for our personal sin debt. So does that make sense? When we owe a debt and we can't pay that debt, someone else has to come and pay it for us. So Jesus being perfect and sinless, you understand that Jesus, the entire time uh, that he lived here on earth, he was sinless. He was perfect. Never does the Bible say that Jesus changed his mind or had to change what he said or take something back or that he sinned in any way. He was perfect and sinless in all ways. Okay. 
And now we know, okay, he's a historical figure. It's true. It's actually real. Now we know he is the son of God, as the Bible tells us that. Now we know, if we understand the Bible fully, that he is part of the triune God. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And now we understand that he is taking our shoes, our sinful, dirty shoes, and he's putting them on. And the Bible uh, speaks of him having to drink that bitter cup of sin. He's putting on our shoes, and not just our shoes, but every sinner, uh, past, present, and future, that will accept him as Savior. He is putting on uh, all of that sin, the sin of mankind, the sin of the world, and dying on the cross. And and, and so you say, okay, well, he died. Well, a lot of uh, people that call themselves God or a deity or whatever, they die. But here's the difference with Jesus. He was resurrected, amen? He was seen by over 500. That's why that's so important to put in there that he was seen by the disciples. That's why when you get into your Bible and you read the New Testament, uh, there is so much scripture on seeing Jesus after the resurrection and Jesus telling Thomas, go ahead, stick your hand in my side and then you'll believe. Look at the nail-scarred hands, uh, amen? There's, there's so much scripture on Jesus living after his death. So the Bible clearly shows that he really did die, that he was buried three days in the grave, and then he rose again. And you get deeper into it, the number three has symbolism, and all of these things have symbolism, and they're so deep and rich, and and God's just majesty and glory. He makes the Bible narrative just come alive in so many ways, and it's a true story, amen? And what we get from this is that Jesus paid the price for us so that he went to the cross thinking of you. He went to the cross thinking of me and he endured the bloodiest, most horrible death of all time, unspeakable, just pain and agony, uh, his beard being plucked out, uh, the, 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 the crown of thorns, the cat, of nine, uh, the cat tail whip, the, the, the just everything, the absolute destruction of his body and of course, he he endured it willingly because he could have blinked an eye, could have had a thought, and it all would have been over because he's God in the flesh and he had all power. He was the only person here on this earth that chose to die. We all have an expiration date. We all have a time we're going to die unless the Lord comes back and takes us home. All of us here, all of us mortal beings, we will die at some point. Yet Jesus didn't have to die. He was God in the flesh. Amen. Perfect, sinless, uh, performing many, many miracles. He could have lived forever. You're telling me he can feed the 5,000. He can calm the waters, but he couldn't uh, you know, get away, get those Roman soldiers away or kill them or whatever. He could do anything he wanted to. And you know why he could? Because he was doing the will of the Father. And that's what he told Pontius Pilate when when uh, Pilate was asking him, you know, do you understand that I have the power to put you to death or to have you live? And Jesus kind of rebukes him and says, the only power you have is what my Father's given you. Amen. And so Jesus came to do the will of God. He was obedient on the cross. He took our sin debt and paid that on the cross. So what does this mean? What does this all mean that he paid their sin debt on the cross? Well, what does that mean? That means that by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it shows God had approved of that payment for our sin debt. And now when we accept Christ as Savior, we are freed from that sin debt. So the third stop on our Romans road trip here today is to receive. This is a free gift that must be accepted. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So let's look at this for a minute. In Romans 10, 9, it says that we must confess with our mouth 
the Lord Jesus. And we must believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead. So to confess and to believe, these are not passive steps. These are not things that just fall in our lap, right? We have to do them. We have to act these things out. We have to confess it, speak it, okay? Say, yes, I believe in Jesus. But not just speak it, because people speak stuff all the time, do they not? People say things all the time that they could uh, do this and that, or they believe this and that, and in, in their heart, they don't. They're just speaking it to have a conversation or you know, uh, even debates or just to sound uh, intelligent, whatever the reason is. People speak things all the time. Here we know that we must not just speak that we believe in the Lord Jesus, but shall believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead. What does that mean? It means we have to believe in the resurrection, and I believe a lot of people may get to this point in, in a salvation journey and say, well, I don't know. I mean, gosh, I don't know if God uh, re- you know, really raised him from the dead. And well, what does that mean? And all these things and start kind of thinking about it. And that is truly uh, an act of faith to believe on Jesus because we weren't there. And it was a, you know, 2000 some years ago, a long time ago. And so how do we know for sure? And that's what someone may say, intellectually trying to get logic uh, wrapped around this equation. And yet God's saying, have faith and believe, just trust. Just trust that this miraculous thing that you've never seen happen, trust that, that this did happen. And so when we believe in our hearts, and that means we truly believe in our heart of hearts and our soul that Jesus really did uh, die for us on the cross and really was raised uh, from the grave and, and, and truly did walk this earth for 40 days and 40 nights and truly was ascended up into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father where he truly is today because we serve a living God. Amen. That's another message, but he's still alive. Our God is alive. The same one that went to the cross, amen, is still alive today. He's still here. He can still hear your prayers. He's still very active here today. Uh, he's living within the believer through the Holy Spirit. He is here. Amen. And another scripture, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, so we see this is a gift we must accept. We see that this is a gift that we have to take action on. We have, we have to you know, physically uh, do some things. We have to confess with our mouth. We have to believe in our heart. And then we also see that this is open to anybody. It's open to anybody. You know, uh, a lot of people may have you think that you need church membership to be saved that you need to be baptized to be saved, that you need some kind of uh, degree or, uh, you know, you need some kind of education to be saved. But that's, you know, we st- that's why I started this whole message uh, with that verse from Second uh, Peter 3, 9. You know, it, it, it's God's will that, that all be saved. And truly, when you look at this, those with a hardened heart, those that, that God has not drawn to himself, those uh, that have been given over to reprobate mind, those that are out in the world that are loving the things of the world and don't want to part with their sin, those God desires for them to be saved, I believe, but they have turned away from God and they are living that sinful life that's described that I gave you that rundown earlier here in Romans uh, 3, 10 through 18. Uh, the swift to shed blood, uh, destruction and misery are in their ways. That's that hardened heart. That's that sinner that will not come to repentance. That's the one that says, you have a free gift, Lord. I don't want it. And God's saying, okay, well, if you don't want it, then you won't receive it. And then when you get to the judgment seat, you'll probably want it, definitely want it, because you'll be facing hell. And the Bible says, well, all knees will bow. We'll all bow down to the Lord. We'll all realize his righteousness and who he is. 
And at that time, it'll be too late. So Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That, uh, whosoever, that's anyone, amen, any, from any place in the world. That's why we preach the gospel all over the world to all people. And uh, that's why I'm preaching it here today to you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But to receive this gift, no matter who you are, you have to receive it. Uh, if somebody came to my house and knocked on my door, and I opened the door and they had a box and it was gift wrapped. And they said, here, Brother Clark, we want to give you this gift. Now, what could I do? I could either say thank you and I could take the gift. I could receive that gift and say thank you very much. And now I've received that gift. Or I could say no thank you and I could close the door. God allows us to have free will. He allows us to have that no thank you moment. And that is very scary uh, to think about because eternity hangs in the balance. Uh, you know, we're here in the scope of time, uh, in this uh, dispensation, in this age, we're here in the uh, age of grace. Uh, we are un- uh, under a great um, falling away here of the church and in the last days, but yet we are here and we can accept Jesus as Savior. We can freely listen to this message. We can read the Bible and so on and so forth. And yet there'll be a time when we no longer can do that. And whether it's uh, when the church is raptured out uh, during the great tribulation period or afterwards uh, during the judgment or whether it's our death. We don't know. Tomorrow's not promised. Uh, And yet right now we can accept that free gift. And you might ask, why would anyone not accept it? Well, I would argue the devil will do his very best because he wants worshipers. He wants people to bow down to him. And he's the little G God of this world. Uh, he will do his very best to tell you, oh, you don't need to get saved today. Do that later on. Oh, you don't need to work out your salvation right now. That's, that's going to take away all these fun things that you like. I guarantee you that's what the devil does to many. And yet, yet you can get saved right now and have eternity with Jesus uh, by accepting that free gift. And that brings us to the final stop on the Romans road, the results, the glorious goodness of our redemption. Uh, Romans 5.1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what does it mean to have peace with God? Well, what that means is that we no longer are seen as sinners to God. A holy God no longer sees us as unholy and doomed for hell. Uh, we are accepted by God, and we're, 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 we're that way, uh, Romans 5.1 tells us, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, but what Jesus did on the cross, the paid uh, sin debt on the cross, the finished work uh, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus allowed us now to be uh, at peace with God. You know, the Bible says we can approach the throne boldly. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, it was not like that. You know, they had uh, the veil. And they had the Holy of Holies and the priests could only go in at a certain time and they had to wear a certain thing and bring in these sacrifices. And there was all of these uh, rituals and problems there. And yeah, only certain groups could carry the Ark of the Covenant, uh, Levites, I believe. And there was a lot going on, uh, you know, that was kind of a barrier between man and God. And when Jesus died on the cross, it, the Bible mentions that the veil was rent in two, it was torn in two. And now the Bible tells us to approach the throne boldly. We can do that through Jesus. We have peace with God. Amen when we accept Jesus as Savior because he doesn't see our sinfulness. He sees the finished work of Christ. And uh, we are made as white as snow, clean as snow. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Amen. Uh, Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So we see here when we're saved, 
once we're saved, there's no condemnation to them in Christ Jesus. We're not, we're no longer going to have to answer for these sins in our lives because we will be able to claim Jesus Christ as Lord. We'll be able to claim that to the Lord. He will see us as, um, a son, you know, we will be truly born again, and there's no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Romans 8, 38 through 39. Uh, For I am persuaded, this is Paul writing, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does that mean? That means that nothing, once we're saved, nothing can separate us from God. Nothing can separate us from eternity with him. Uh, We know that when we're saved, our name is written down in the Lamb's book of life, never be blotted out, never to be erased. Uh, So once saved, always saved. That's why we believe in eternal security. Uh, This idea that you can lose your salvation, it doesn't jive with the Bible. It doesn't make sense with scripture. Uh, You know, the the Bible talks about no man being able to pluck us out of God's hand. Uh, Again, uh, Paul here writing about that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, You know, if we lost our salvation, then Jesus would have to go back and die on the cross again. It doesn't happen. Once saved, always saved. Amen. So when we're saved, we have peace with God and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not only that, but when we're saved, we get the comforter. We get the Holy Spirit living within us. And that gives us a closeness with God. And that gives us Holy Spirit-led discernment, Holy Spirit-led preaching, the Holy Spirit to guide us. It, it helps us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit's able to utter thanks to the Lord in prayer when we pray that we can't speak or articulate. And so we have this wonderful closeness with Christ when we're saved. But most importantly, we are spared from hell. We are in eternity with him and we are accepted by the blood of Jesus when we believe on him. Amen. So now it's decision time. I've brought you down Romans road. I've described it the best that I know how I've given you scripture to back it up. And now you have to make a decision. Are you ready to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior today? I know I was uh, when the preacher asked if, if anyone was that day uh, back in 2002, I was ready. Amen. And now I'm asking you, are you ready? If you are, you can pray this prayer right now and be saved. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve the consequences of my sin, which is hell. I am now trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord. I'm trusting specifically in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that paid my sin debt through Jesus' finished work on the cross so that I can be forgiven. I trust Jesus alone as Savior. Please, Lord, save me. I believe. Come into my heart. Save me. I'll make you Lord. I thank you, God. I won't be ashamed. I will live for him as long as I am here, and I will be with him in glory. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're saved. The Bible says there are angels rejoicing in heaven. Amen. Over one that comes uh, to, to salvation. This idea that you can pray and be saved. Look, it's not me saving you. It's not the prayer saving you. It's God saving you. Amen. I'm just here sowing the seeds. God does the saving. Uh, He uh, calls you to himself and he allows you to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so if you're saved here today, let's give God all the glory. Uh, It's an amazing thing. It's again, it's something so simple 
a child can understand, and yet something so profound, the wisest person to ever walk this earth that's not saved will never understand. And God gave it to us so that we would not perish, so that we would have everlasting life with him. And if you've been saved and you listen to this message, thank you. That's awesome. I ask you please to share this with anybody that may not be saved. And I also ask you to continue witnessing to others. Let's continue sharing the gospel. Let's continue being a salvation-minded people for God, because that is what God wants us to do, to carry the gospel message to all corners of the world. And you know what? We can try to reach Africa, and maybe our neighbor's lost. And we need a witness to the neighbor and we could try to reach the neighbor and maybe they're saved and there's someone across town or even across the world that needs to hear it. So let's keep witnessing to, to a nearby and abroad in all places for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is worthy. Amen. You say, how could, how could uh, Jesus endure all of that for someone like me? Well, he did out of love and that's immense love. That's in the Bible calls agape love, just incredible love. And so what do we do with that love? How could we ever repay him? We can't. But the least that we can do is live for him. Our reasonable service, the least we can do is share the gospel. Amen. Let's do that today. Let's be about our father's business and let's continue on. Let's continue serving him so that when he does call us home, we, we are just so close to him. It's like we were just praying to him. We were just serving him. We were just living for him. And there he is. Amen. I believe that's the best way to go into eternity, to step into eternity. But the first step is to be saved. And that's my prayer today that you got saved and that you'll share this with others. Thanks so much for listening and take care. Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's Word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, remember, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. <laughs>